Welcome to issue 21 of The Two-Butt Rule. We can't change the product, but we could if. When I'm not writing, I make and manage products. The two practices are more similar than you might think. Product people imagine something, turn it into a story, and then, here's the product trick, persuade others to invest their time, creativity, and resources to make it real. The two-butt rule is essential for making insanely great products, and we've explored that in past issues. But its role in balancing feature creep with future-proofing is worth special attention. And oddly enough, a look at the world of specialty writing devices illustrates the issue with remarkable clarity. I'm writing this issue on a remarkable, a device that only lets me draw. And now, thanks to a new attachment, type. I can't check email. I can't surf the web. I can't get sucked into an argument on Twitter or LinkedIn about whether Web3 is an actual thing or a stupid buzzword. All I can do is write. The Remarkable is one of several examples of crowdfunded gadgets that started appearing in the years after smartphones and other devices turned our lives into a hellscape of perpetual distraction. It's a pricey little thing, and it's lost on nobody that paying more for something that deliberately does less is a perverse form of first-world problem-solving. But the problem is real, and I have one. Actually, I have two, and that's the point of this story. Long before I discovered the wonders of The Remarkable, I was the proud owner of a free write. The free write lets you do just one thing. Type. That's it. The original one is a masterpiece of oddity made of metal with satisfyingly chunky and tactile keys. It's bulky, more luggable than a laptop, and it has a small Kindle-style black-and-white digital ink screen. And the original version I own has a feature that to some feels like a bug. You can't go back and correct anything you previously wrote, not without backspacing your way to the correction and retyping everything after that. Why is this a feature? FreeWrite's original design philosophy was based squarely on distraction-free writing, not editing. It's a well-established principle that writing without stopping for an entire session and editing later is a superior way to get the work out. But for a generation of people who've become deeply accustomed to the freedom of inserting a cursor anywhere on the page at any time, it turns out that not being able to do this is also a distraction. Presented with, but we're distracted by not being able to edit, FreeWrite initially responded with, but you can resist the urge to edit and become a better writer in the process. This is a reasonable application of the two-butt rule. However, over time, the need to sell more of these devices to people who were not convinced by the you'll learn response led to the company relenting and adding the feature. Here's the rub. The decision to focus on a core product philosophy is often the right thing to do, but in this case, it resulted in building machines that were literally hardwired not to allow for editing. There were no keys on the keyboard to move a cursor around, and apparently there was no way in the circuitry to map cursor moves to existing keys and simply send out a firmware update to add editing later. So when the company added editing to later versions of the product, writers who bought the original version were stuck. The free write costs hundreds of dollars. Few writers will blithely shell out that kind of money and then do it again to buy the same thing, but with cursor buttons. While I was considering shelling out the dough for a new edit-friendly free write, I wound up trying the Remarkable. The original version of the device focused strictly on giving people who draw or take notes with a pen a writing surface with the feel of pencil on paper, something you really miss when trying to slip an Apple pencil around on the glass of an iPad. It had no keyboard. Like the free write, it was a very niche idea, and I wasn't someone who spent a lot of time drawing or taking paper notes. In fact, I'm an incredibly fast typist, having attended high school back in the days when most of us took formal touch typing on big, mechanical, IBM Selectric typewriters. Those were beautiful machines. So, as much as I admired the design and elegance of the Remarkable, I still mainly used the FreeWrite. Then, this year, Remarkable introduced a beautiful, extraordinarily thin leatherette cover for the device that hides a fold-out keyboard. And while the keys aren't chunky like the FreeWrites, typing on them is surprisingly an effortless joy. Clear that the Remarkable is not designed to be a keyboard replacement. It's a drawing tablet, first and foremost. But unlike the FreeWrite, Remarkable had the foresight to include tiny connectors and magnetic endpoints for cases and peripherals. And that decision allowed the Remarkable to add the keyboard feature, whereas the FreeWrite has zero ability to counter with a drawing surface. And Remarkable does allow editing, 
So now I write and draw exclusively on the Remarkable, while my FreeWrite collects dust. Product developers need to stay focused on the core requirements of their product and not be distracted by feature creep. But they also need to see where things could go and, wherever practical, make choices that don't box them in later. Hashtag two butts. To be clear, that's easier said than done. Adding a keyboard to a writing surface is a lot easier than adding a drawing surface to a keyboard attached to a tiny screen. The lesson of make no decisions that prevent new decisions appears also in Remarkable's software. It's clear that they had made decisions in the original operating system that did not contemplate and certainly didn't optimize for adding a keyboard-based user experience. But Remarkable made its code open source, allowing easier discovery of problems, greater opportunity for third-party integrations, and more flexibility in general. No doubt, making changes to software products is easier than physical products, but not as easy as you might think. Every decision for something in software is usually a decision against optimizing for something else. Even now, the way typing and drawing integrate on the Remarkable feels a little tacked on. You switch between modes, and the entire screen flips upside down. And there's a brief but noticeable lag as the interface resets itself between typing and the moment you pull out the pen and touch it to the screen. But on balance, it works well enough for me. The FreeWrite team made great, focused product decisions. But change came and boxed them in anyway. Navigating between future-proofing and optimizing for today involves a lot of luck, especially for hardware products. Same goes for services, as we see today with Uber and Lyft. Lyft stayed focused on ride-sharing while Uber risked losing focus by adding Uber Eats. In an alternative universe where the pandemic never happened, it's possible that the narrative of that story is about how Lyft overtook Uber through better focus on core competencies. There are no right answers, except in hindsight. But taking a little time, periodically, to apply the two-butt rule can help spot change coming and help rationally consider options. In the end, what Remarkable showed is that sometimes product developers and designers have the option to say, don't build that feature now, but don't build our current product in a way that would make it hard to add it later. It doesn't work in all cases, but when it does, it's remarkable. This concludes issue 21 of The Two-Butt Rule. We can't change the product, but we could if, by John Wolpert and Ashley Waters. If you like this episode, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts, and consider taking out a subscription at twobutts.com. That's number two, B-U-T-S, dot com.